back to Fandom Podcast, uh, your one-stop shop for anything and everything fandom. I am your host, Saximus Prime. It has been a little while. It has been a little while indeed. Uh, as a matter of fact, it has been over a year. Uh, however, we are back now. Uh, things have been busy, but we're back. We'll try to maintain a regular upload schedule. Now on Apple Podcasts, by the way, woot woot. Uh, and today we're going to be discussing one of my new favorite movies, a movie which I thought was really good, and you should definitely check it out. Before we do that, though, a quick PSA. In Armenia, there is some crazy stuff going on. Azerbaijan is attacking Armenia with the full support of Turkey, who, of course, executed the Armenian genocide. Uh, so please send your thoughts and prayers over to Armenia. I have many relatives living there whom I am very concerned for, and uh, I ask that you... Uh, Send your prayers and your thoughts and also find uh, a way to make known this uh, human rights atrocity taking place uh, over around that part of the world. Now, anyway, moving on to happier things. Today we're going to be discussing uh, a movie, and you've probably read the title so you know what movie it is, but today we're discussing uh, The Fellowship of the Ring, the first movie in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Now, first, a little background on the Lord of the Rings trilogy, as I have learned. Um, Now, the trilogy was filmed uh, all at once. Uh, Principal photography, principal photography, however, took up the length of the year. Now, if you don't know, principal photography in a film, photography like photo, uh, that's when they're shooting the film the first time without reshoots or anything. Uh, So that means from the years of 99 to 2000. They were shooting the Lord of the Rings trilogy, um, which is uh, explains why these films actually flow together so well. Uh, and they were released across 2001, 2002, and 2003, if I am correct, uh, which I sure I am, which I'm sure I am. Uh, and beginning with The Fellowship of the Ring, then moving on to The Two Towers, which is arguably either the best or the worst film. And then finally... Uh, the uh what's it called uh the return of the king that's right which is one i have not yet seen however i have watched the first two i plan on finishing the third this weekend and you know what let me tell you my thoughts on number one today the first film the fellowship of the ring launched in 2001 uh starring elijah wood as frodo baggins uh and it's it is a direct continuation of the hobbit film so if, if you're around my age you'll remember the hobbit movies but not the lord of the rings movies the Hobbit films are a prequel, and they flow directly into the first movie in the Lord of the Rings series, also known as The Fellowship of the Ring, which is what we're talking about today. Uh, and in The Fellowship of the Ring, uh, the basic plot is that the Dark Lord Sauron, thousands of years ago, created one ring, one ultra-powerful magic ring to rule all of the other magic rings. And... There was a great battle, and the ring was taken from Sauron. Sauron was destroyed and reduced to a corporeal form as kind of an eye watching over everyone. And the ring was changed hands many times, went from one of the guys who defeated Sauron to Gollum to eventually Bilbo Baggins, which is what we see in the Hobbit movies. And in this film, we chronicle the journey of the ring from Bilbo's hands to Frodo's hands all the way to the fiery pits of Mount Doom. Uh, so that is the primary quest. Uh, Frodo, who is Bilbo Baggins' nephew, I believe. Uh, Bilbo, having had an adventure 60 years before, 
and had found this ultra-powerful ring and kind of keeping it to himself, realizes that it is time to relinquish control of the ring and sends it on a journey along with Frodo and the help of a, a wizard named Gandalf the Grey, uh, sends them on a journey to cast the ring into the fires of Mount Doom, which is where it was constructed, which will destroy Sauron once and for all, and would bring relative peace to the lands of Middle-earth. Now, uh, a word on the special effects. I am a big Star Wars fan, as really anyone who's ever spoken to me will know. Uh, and I've always maintained that the prequels were visionary films in every regard, especially Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Brilliant CGI. I mean, it, it holds up great even now. I know that many people disagree with me on this, but Phantom Menace is just, it's a superb looking film. And Phantom Menace predates Lord of the Rings by two years. And the Lord of the Rings has some has some phenomenal CGI and special effects. I do feel as if it is inferior to the prequels, but that just might be the Star Wars fanboy in me talking. Uh, and the special effects, they're quite remarkable. They combine, they blend uh, practical effects with uh, computer effects, computerized effects in a way that is more noticeable, I think, than Star Wars because at the very beginning, uh, by the way, spoilers for the whole thing in this, but at the very beginning, there's that scene where Sauron is creating the ring, right? And It's a dude in a costume, and when he's fighting against the armies of Middle-earth, it's a dude in a costume enlarged, kind of like how they would do in those old uh, those old Power Rangers shows, you know, where it's just a guy in a suit, or like in the Godzilla movies. Uh, it's, it's just a guy, you know, on a miniature scale area, and they put in the armies afterwards. Um, and it looked really good. I do have to admit that it, when contrasting it with the Hobbit films, which are, of course, far superior in special effects, having been more recent, uh, it is a little, uh, I guess, inconsistent, you could say, to see this, the primary antagonist of the whole series, look kind of primitive. At the same time, though, it's still, I mean, they really nailed the design for Sauron. He looks so cool. I mean, really. And also the ring, they visualized the ring perfectly. Uh, I've got the ring right now in my hands. Uh, I bought a replica. I, I like that movie so much. But uh, yeah, that's so. That's the special effects. We've already gone through the the uh, general plot. So let's keep talking about it. Let's talk about um, the length. I know a big thing with these Lord of the Rings films, all of them, all six, uh, is the length. They are lengthy movies. There's no denying that. Uh, I personally feel as if uh, the film does not ever really drag along. Um, it is never... Sorry about that. I had a metronome going on in the background. I'm not quite sure why. Uh, so if you heard that before, my bad. But the film never quite drags along. It is rather lengthy. I believe it clocks in. Let's see here. How long is The Fellowship of the Ring? Clocks in at about, hmm, all right, let's see, how long is the fellowship? Three hours and 47 minutes, holy cow, long movie. <laughs> you don't notice it when you're watching it. There are parts where it slows down, but the pacing is quite, quite excellent. Uh, so let's go through it here at 
begins with that excellent backstory scene. Honestly, it's so incredible. You watch it and it launches you, immerses you into this world that you just want to know more about. With the fight with Sauron and we learn about the fate of the ring ultimately landing in Bilbo Baggins' hands. Now, years later, Bilbo is celebrating his 111th birthday in the Shire. This was a cool scene. Uh, fun fact, by the way, anytime anyone's smoking in these Hobbit movies, you know, Bilbo smokes, Gandalf smokes, I think Aragorn smokes a couple times. They're all smoking weed, at least according to J.R.R. Tolkien, for my, for my limited knowledge. Anyway, so there's that. Uh, I was watching it, I was like, man, what are they talking about? Gandalf says, this is the finest leaf in all of Hobbiton. I'm like, dang, bro, <laughs> you know. Anyway, moving on. Gandalf arrives in the Shire after many years to celebrate Bilbo's 111th birthday. It kind of it demonstrates the ring, the ring's uh, power to elongate the life of its wearer, which I think is interesting to say the least, as it has sustained Bilbo for far past his natural lifespan. Gandalf arrives, of course, uh, greeted by Frodo. There's that party and. Bilbo puts on the ring, kind of plays a little trick on everyone, and announces that he's going to go and leave to the elf place. I don't really know what it's called. But Bilbo announces he's going to leave. Uh, and this kind of introduces a little bit of a, of a plot, a disparity with the plot. Because uh, when Frodo puts on the ring, he only puts on the ring a sparing number of times throughout the saga. When he does, Sauron instantly notice, notices his presence. You know, he's alerted to it. He sends the ring wraiths to, the, you know, the Nazgul. He sends them to, you know, take the ring from Frodo. When Bilbo puts on the ring at the beginning here, there is no significant reaction from Sauron. And it is actually quite... Uh, baffling because you know supposedly he's this character so desperate to get his hands on the on the one ring to rule them all uh and he didn't notice it then didn't send his ring wraiths after bilbo doesn't see him uh so yeah that's i noticed this when watching it it was an odd inconsistency to be sure anywho frodo has now been given possession of the ring frodo baggins played by elijah wood very Excellent choice, in my opinion. Elijah Wood, by the way, superb actor. He was in that Tron cartoon, which I think is called Tron Uprising. Great stuff, honestly. That that and Star Wars The Clone Wars, I think, were just some of the most excellent cartoons of their time. Anyway, Frodo is given the ring. He's tasked with taking it at first to a council. Uh, at first to a council in, you know, the elf place. Now I don't. I know I'm botching place names. It might be really cringy, but uh, there are two primary elf locations. There is the lake town, and then there's the place we see in this film. And Frodo first goes there. Uh, he's going to attend a council to see what they're going to do with the ring. Uh, and here is kind of the primary bulk of the film: is the walking through New Zealand. Now I've always laughed at this, you know, myself. Because, I mean, anyone can walk through New Zealand, right? I mean, that's like 90, not 90%. It's like a solid hour, I think, of total footage of all of these films is of them, the actress, you know, Orlando Bloom as the elf and as Legolas and everyone running through 
the wooded hills and sunny vistas of Peter Jackson's native New Zealand. Uh, and it is kind of humorous when viewed out of context, but at the same time, it does do a lot to cement the grand scale of this saga. Now, supposedly, this story is supposed to take place in a primordial earth, according to Tolkien. Uh, whereas these films kind of cemented as being definitely in a fantasy world, you know, Middle-earth. So, there's that. So, the geography doesn't precisely match up with that of Europe. I mean, it do- doesn't have to, though. Honestly, it's, it's, a, it's a magical setting, that is for sure. Now, on their journey, uh, Frodo, uh, at first, is... Frodo splits up with Gandalf in the very beginning. Gandalf is going to go and collect some information on the ring, and he's going to go talk to Saruman. Now, in each in these movies, each witch, each witch, each wizard has a color. So, like Saruman is Saruman the White. He's the White Wizard. He's like the supreme one, like the best wizard, you know, good man. Then there's Gandalf the Gray. There's Radagast the Brown. Uh, who is in the Hobbit movies. And then there's Galadriel. I don't remember what color Galadriel's Galadriel's supposed to be, but she's there as well. And all of these wizards have different colors. So Gandalf is Gandalf the Grey at the very beginning here, and Saruman is still Saruman the White. And Gandalf learns some stuff about the ring, and first he goes to Saruman to basically plan what they're going to do. Saruman and Gandalf having confronted uh, Sauron in the Hobbit films together, and Gandalf is shocked to learn that Sauron has been, Saruman has been communicating with Sauron and that they are in league together to rule Middle-earth. And there is this awesome fight. The fight between Sauron and... Or Sauron. I keep... I'm confusing him for you, probably. The fight between Saruman and Gandalf. Highly underrated. I think it's actually quite superb. It is a little silly to see these guys basically breakdancing on the floor and flying through the air, hitting the ceiling and stuff. You know, these two super, super old guys in real life. But, I mean, in Star Wars, you got old guys shooting lightning at each other and doing lightsaber fights that in no way they could do in real life. Like with Sam Jackson and uh, Ian McDermott in Revenge of the Sith. So, in terms of... Well, at first it seemed silly. I I came around to it in the end, and and it was pretty cool. Uh... Quite visionary too, if I might add. There's a lot of models when they, whenever they go around uh, Sauron, Saruman's tower at Isengard. There's a lot of models you could see when they're going through the orc factory, and even some CGI or even some claymation. I think uh, very interesting. Anyway, after the confrontation with Saruman, the uh, Gandalf is stranded atop the tower uh, at Isengard. And it is there where we see Gandalf to his little <laughs> whisper into the ear of the moth. And then it goes, flies away and becomes a hawk or something, saves him. Which is cool. Obviously very iconic from this film. Meanwhile, Frodo was told to meet rendezvous with Gandalf at a bar called the Prancing Pony. He meets there and puts on the ring for the first time and is confronted by... Uh, Sauron, who gives that famous, I see you, you cannot hide, when he puts on the ring, you know, the big scary eye. Uh, Frodo is feeling quite out of sorts, feels like he's done everything wrong, especially because of their very close call earlier with the Nazgul, with the ring wraiths. 
and he is shocked to learn upon arriving at the Prancing Pony that Gandalf is not there, which means something has gone wrong according to their plan, which of course it has, as we know, dramatic irony. There, Frodo is greeted by a man named Strider. Strider is a ranger. The name isn't really clear. I knew him as Aragorn before going into the film. Aragorn and Strider are one and the same, and Aragorn is the heir to the throne of one of the kings of men, kingdoms of men. I think overall he's the heir. And he is also the descendant of Isildur, who is the one who killed, or rather defeated, Sauron in those thousands of years ago in that war, and is the one who initially took the ring for himself after defeating Sauron. So a lot of weight on this guy, and he helps uh, the hobbits outsmart the uh, Nazgul, and they escape. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Upon escaping, the Fellowship is, you know, riding around, and they're still trying to make it to their elf place. Uh, oh, that's what it's called. Ah, yes, Rivendell. That's right. Okay. They're trying to make it to Rivendell. And they are confronted confronted by the ring wraiths at Weathertop, which is a pretty interesting location, kind of a stone Stonehenge-esque location. And after being confronted by the ring wraiths there, uh, Aragorn actually outsmarts them all, all of the ring wraiths. He stays them away with fire. Uh... Now, fire is apparently their weakness. However, it does not kill them. They are unkillable. The Ringwraiths, by the way, the Nazgul as they are known, are the kings of men who are given some of the rings of power in the opening cutscene. Anywho. They make it out of Weathertop. They're in Revendell now. They have this council. And everyone is really upset, right? They don't know what they're going to do with the ring. And then the meme the meme. What is the meme? One does not simply walk into Mordor. Let me pull it up for y'all. You know the one does not simply meme? It's interesting to watch a film and you see the meme coming up. The meme's about to happen, right? Like, you can recognize that there's about to be a meme. And then it happens and it's just quite surreal. Let me see if I can pull it up here. Alright, here we go. See if you can hear that. All right, I don't know if that was received, but there's that. Um, Oh, I can't stop it now. (laughs) Cool. So, yeah, the one does not simply meme is from this meeting where the Fellowship is formed. The Fellowship is formed out of um, Frodo Baggins, of course, a man named Samwise Gamgee, another hobbit who is an extremely loyal friend to Frodo. And then... uh, on top of Sam, there is Merry and Pippin, two other kind of mischievous hobbits. And there's Gandalf the Grey, of course, Legolas, played by Orlando Bloom, uh, the elf archer dude who's just really good. And then Boromir, who is the one does not simply guy. He's also a human being. He's another one of the human kingdom representatives. And, of course, Aragorn, or Strider, as he is known. So the Fellowship, you know, they're on their way. Uh, there is this subplot with... Uh, with Aragorn and Arwen, who is this elf lady that
that Aragorn is apparently, you know, it's it's not really clear. They could be married. It is implied that they are married in uh, the Two Towers, which we'll talk about next time. Uh, but they are in some kind of relationship, and they have some kind of weird ceremony. But because elves are immortal and because Aragorn's going to die, you know, at some point, right? Because he's a human being. Basically, she by marrying him, she would be forsaking the rest of her life, it, you know, to just being sad. Because, you know, she, she's an eternal being, apparently, as an elf. So, uh, there's a lot of tension with that. And will they be allowed to marry by uh, uh, Lord Elrond, who is Arwen's fa- father, and also played by the guy who plays the Red Skull? Isn't that interesting? Uh, his name, of course, is Hugo Weaving. Very skilled actor. Kind of creepy looking actor, too. You know, kind of like with that has a Willem Dafoe kind of quality to him. Anyway, in Rivendell, Bilbo, they find Bilbo there. Bilbo, having been removed from the ring for so long, after departing on his own quest, is very old now. Age is catching up to him. There's this kind of scary scene where Bilbo lunges for the ring and his eyes get really wide and his teeth are born and stuff. And it kind of shows the harmful effect of being around the ring. You know, for so long. Uh, anyway, Bilbo's there and he imparts on Frodo Sting. Sting is the name of the sword which Bilbo used in his adventures and which now Frodo can use. It is a magic sword. It is an awesome sword. I quite like that sword. Moving forth. Um, they leave Rivendell. Uh, along with also, like I said, Aragorn, Gandalf, Legolas, Boromir, who's another human. Then, I forgot to mention this earlier, Gimli, who is a dwarf and the son of a character from The Hobbit. And then Merry, Pippin, Frodo, and Sam. And they're, they've now departed on their quest to reach Mordor, which is where Sauron is, and drop the ring into Mount Doom. Okay. So the Fellowship sets off over the mountain Karad Haras, intending to use the Pass of Karad Haras, but Saruman summons a storm that forces them to travel through the mines of Moria. Very cool location, by the way. After finding all the dwarves of Moria have been slain, the Fellowship is attacked by orcs and a cave troll. They hold them off, all of them off, but are confronted, confronted by Durin's Bane, a Balrog, residing within the mines. Now, there, that's, it's a large action scene. Very cool action scene, by the way. This is where you can kind of see, however, some of the dated CGI, and where I think that the Phantom Menace's CGI is actually far superior. But, um, they run through the mines against Gandalf's wishes. By the way, there's this really cool scene at the beginning where there's a swamp creature kind of thing that kind of forces them into the mine. And I think it's very cool and, and quite accurate to the books, if I say so myself, having never read a book. <laughs> I've played the Lego game, okay, and, and that counts as authenticity. Anyway, uh, they make it through Moria, except for the Balrog. And then Balrog, uh, Gandalf cast a spell, very famous spell. You shall not pass. Uh, and the Balrog, surprise, surprise, does not pass. Um, uh, however, in casting the spell, Gandalf inadvertently has sacrificed his life. He falls off the cliff where he was standing, 
being dragged down by the descending Balrog, who himself is falling down from Gandalf's spell. Uh, and the Fellowship thinks Gandalf is dead. They are devastated. You know, completely shocked. All of them are crying, inclu- including the human beings, including Boromir and Aragorn. And Frodo especially, who has looked up to Gandalf his entire life from his uncle's stories. Uh, so, after this, the Fellowship reaches another elf place called, let's see here, it says Lothorian, ruled by the elf queen Galadriel. Galadriel herself is kind of a wizard. She does some magic stuff. I guess you could say she's a, wi- she's a witch. Uh, so Galadriel privately informs Frodo that only he can complete the quest and that one of his friends in the Fellowship will try to take the ring. Galadriel herself threatens Frodo and tries to take the ring, but ultimately doesn't, considering it her passing the test. Galadriel is kind of good and kind of bad sometimes in these movies. She kind of just picks her own path. Uh, although she does work together with Gandalf and Saruman when they are when Saruman is a good guy. Uh, now, meanwhile, during this, Saruman is creating his army of Urukai, colloquially known as orcs. Uh, he's building them in Isengard. Very cool scene, by the way. The orcs are made from mud. The orcs are made from mud, and they are dragged from the mud like a. You know, they're shaken from the mud, and it's creepy stuff. It's creepy stuff. The prosthetics on these orcs are just insane. Honestly, it, it is it, it is quite superb. Like, it, it is a spectac- spectacular costume design in this, throughout this entire film. Uh, and I think that they do a, a very convincing job at telling you that these orcs are real. You know, these Urukai and these Ringwraiths and these wizards, you know, these fantastical characters are really who they purport they are in these in the film. You know, anyway. After this, the Fellowship travels by river to Parth Galen. Frodo wanders off and is confronted by Boromir. Uh, so surprisingly, or surprise, perhaps unsurprisingly, Galadriel's prophecy comes true. Boromir, the one does not simply guy. Um is he feels that they can do more good with the ring than if they were to just cast it into the fire, that they can use its power to defeat Sauron. By the way, they never really say what the ring lets you do other than turn invisible. When you put it on, it makes you turn invisible, right? And I guess you could see the evil of Sauron, <laughs> and the ring wraiths can see you when you have the ring on. And the ring wraiths can physically harm you when you've got the ring on. But other than that, there's not a lot that it purports to do other than to just be the life force for Sauron. So that's worth noting. There's probably some more information there for the hardcore fans who know. But yeah, there's that. I totally glossed over this. Uh, Maybe I forgot. Got a little carried away. When they are in Rivendell having the council before the Fellowship is formed, they're all arguing over what to do with the ring, right? And there's this great heroic moment where Frodo is like, I'll just let me take it. I don't know the way. So if one of you could direct me. It's pretty awesome. And it's in that moment that they realize, you know, all these people arguing, they realize that the smallest, you know, most diminutive member of the council is the one who is the most courageous and the most right. And they follow his lead. And they're all sworn to protect Frodo, this little, little hobbit guy. Anyway, 
The So, yeah, Boromir tries to take the ring. He physically attacks Frodo, but instantly regrets it. Uh, kind of like what happens with Bilbo earlier in the film at Rivendell. So Boromir attacks Frodo, tries to take the ring, but fails, just as Lady Galadriel had predicted. The Fellowship is then ambushed by the Uruk-hai, by the orcs. Uh, very awesome scene, by the way. Epic beyond. Merry and Pippin are taken captive. Uh, so, actually, I'm going to go back a little bit. The fight is quite awesome. Uh, Aragorn also has, right after Frodo's confrontation with Boromir, he meets Aragorn. And Aragorn, if Frodo says to Aragorn, he says, you know, very flustered after being attacked by Boromir, his friend. He goes... You know, aren't you going to take it too? No one can resist. No one can resist the ring. What are you going to do? And there's a moment where Aragorn could take the ring, but instead he chooses to kneel down and he says that he will protect it with his life and that he will protect Frodo with his life. So then after that, uh, there's this big fight. Merry and Pippin are taken captive, which will be expounded upon uh, in the next film. And Boromir is mortally wounded by the Uruk chieftain Lurts. It's kind of funny, actually, that Boromir... You know, get, redeeming himself in the end after his confrontation with Frodo. He's shot, like, five times by arrows. Right? It's insane. And every time he just gets up and slices off some more orc heads. Pretty inspiring. Pretty awesome, too. Uh, so, uh, after Aragorn finally catches up with where Boromir, Boromir is in the battle, and he kills Lurtz, uh, and wa- he, I mean, he watches Boromir die, and there's a tear that's shed, uh... And it's a very sad moment. The Fellowship has now been disbanded. Uh, afraid of the ring corrupting his friends like it did Boromir, Frodo decides to travel to Mordor alone, but then reconsiders by allowing Sam to come after to come after his promise of uh, from Gandalf. Now earlier, you know, Sam is just the gardener guy. He's just kind of following along, but he's really devoted to Frodo as a friend. And after hearing... This prom- After the beginning of the film, Sam, you know, promises to, to protect Frodo. And as Frodo is being, you know, rowing away from the shore, Sam's like, wait, don't go. And Frodo's like, well, rip, right? And he's floating away. And Sam's like, wait, don't go. And he's wading into the water. He's like, Frodo goes, you don't know how to swim. And now Sam is drowning in the water, having walked after Frodo in his boat. So Frodo lets him in, and he realizes what a true friend Sam is. It's it's quite touching, and their friendship reverberates throughout the entire series. It is a key theme. Uh, now, after this, with the Fellowship having been disbanded, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli decide to rescue Merry and Pippin after finding them missing, and that is where the film ends. The Fellowship is split. Sam and Frodo are off to destroy the ring, while Legolas, Gimli... And Aragorn are off to find Merry and Pippin. And Gandalf is unknown, but he will return. I can tell you that much. Excellent. Excellent films. I had not watched them up until this point. I had kind of ignored the Lord of the Rings films because they're long, man. They're really long. But you know what? I watched them. They're good. They're really good. And I highly recommend you watch them, too. I know that there, it just, it seems like a lot for the uninitiated, but I'm getting all of this having watched it one time. And you know what? It's great, and I understand it fully. I'll probably never be as passionate about it as I am with Star Wars, but it's good stuff. So yeah, that is the 
first, the inaugural episode of Fandom Podcast after a long hiatus. Man, I love you guys. Uh, Saxmas Prime will return shortly. Uh, stay tuned for our next episode. Uh, bye-bye.